0: Audio Podcast Network.
1: Hello, Herstory heroes and heroines, and welcome to another episode of whining About Herstory, the podcast where two longtime besties talk about wine and women from history that you may not have heard of. Mainly, we actually just talk about the women from history. I'm Kelly. I was like, "Who are you?" <laughs> my brain is all over the place. I got some really exciting news right before we started the podcast, and so my brain is just like going haywire.
0: BT Dubs, I'm Emily. I feel like I always forget to introduce myself, like it's an
1: afterthought. I'm like, "Oh yeah, by the way, if you haven't listened before,
0: not everyone knows who I am, but you will grow to hate me. Don't worry, it comes to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it
1: comes. To it, it spilled slowly over the episodes." It's a slow
0: burn. It's a slow burn hatred. <laughs> all right. Well, thank. First of all, thank you to everyone who submitted stories for our very special Mother's Day episode last week. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. It's a little different than our normal episode, but we want to honor the women who are making history by just being awesome.
1: Right, and it was in uh, general. I think all of our episodes are really good, but that that was an extra special episode because we we got some really good entries from people we know and other podcasters. And it was kind of a mix of us talking about stuff and audio recordings from other people. And I don't know, I I think it went really well. There's a lot of feels. I have to say,
0: so Rebecca uh, is the one who submitted the story about her grandmother and Betty Robinson. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was a whole essay. It was really beautifully written. And we got a really lovely email from her like thanking us. It was super positive. But the second I saw her email in our inbox, I was like, we fucked up. Right? I was like, oh, shit. We fucked up bad. She's going to be pissed. Like, we didn't represent the story well enough. We were talking about the Nazi torch relay too much. Right? Like, like we, went, oh, we no. went off on so
1: many <laughs> tangents. But she actually loved our tangents, which was great.
0: I'm, I'm glad. Like, that's just kind of where my mentality is all the time.
1: If we hear from listeners,
0: I'm always like, oh, god, what did we do? <laughs> well, and I don't know
1: if you saw, but um, Betty Robinson's granddaughter did comment on our Instagram post. She did, and I was so excited. Because we, we've covered Betty Robinson before. I, I did in one of our earlier episodes. And so we've, we've been in contact with her. So the fact that, like, it just felt very serendipitous to kind of, like, bring it back around. I feel like there's a lot of kismet surrounding Betty Robinson because it was kismet
0: that... uh Rebecca learned about her story and connected with her granddaughter. And it was Kismet that you covered her and we connected with the granddaughter. And then Rebecca listens to us and she's like, ah, it's just right. this, like little, little coven of cuddly Kismet. ladies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Kismet <laughs> Kismet just like you're a literal alliteration. I, I got to make it work. All right. Well, uh, Kelly, I don't know if you have a say their name, but I certainly do. Go for it. My say their name today is Kelly. I was she like did she. Something I was like she's gonna say
1: me, isn't she?
0: Yeah. So I'm not. I'm not gonna share the news because it's not mine to share. But I didn't want you to like skulk out of this episode without telling everyone your amazing news.
1: Um. Uh, so and this is why my brain's haywire. Shortly before we started recording, I. Got my acceptance letter to a master's psychology program here here in town. So, like, I I wanted to do an in person, so this was my first choice, and I I got in right away, and I'm so excited and scared, but mainly
0: excited. I'm so thrilled for you. You called me. And I just started screaming. And it it was funny because when you called me to tell me you were engaged, it was the same exact (laughs)
1: phone call. I was like, she's going to say, she's going to ask me if I'm pregnant. (laughs) So that's why I was like, I'm just going to say it. I'm not going to like give her a chance to guess.
0: Because last time I guessed right, you're like, oh, hey, I have some news. I'm like, what, are you
1: engaged? And she's like, like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. I I was joking. (laughs) You're like, no, that's just one of the things I say to people when they say I have good news. Yes.
0: Uh, But no, I'm seriously, I'm so thrilled. And I'm so happy for you. And honestly, I knew you were going to get in. But I've been in your position where it's like, oh, no, you like all those things that you think are going to keep you from getting in are in the forefront of your mind. I'm like, nope, I'm not going to get in because this, that, and the other thing. And it's hard to focus on the reasons that you could. Right. Well, yeah. And so I'm so proud of you. Psychology
1: is known for being very competitive at the master's level and above. So I don't know. I was just nervous. But yeah, I got in and I'm super excited to go back to school, which is weird. I never thought I would say that. And now... Kelly could be my personal
0: psychologist to help me work through all my issues.
1: Yay. No, I'm kidding. Wait. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do I want to go to school for this? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do. I very much do. It's like if you become a chiropractor and everyone's like, can you crack my back? Can you crack my
1: gear? Can you give me a massage?
0: Yeah, can you just like, I've got a little knot right here, which speaking of knots, that's a good segue into our wine because I finally got that fucking bottle of Chardonnay open nice. by like, like that final pull, I like cranked my oh, neck and I was like, oh, God, <laughs> I'm so old. I can't even open my wine without getting hurt. Jared's going to have to give you a massage. He will. He actually uh, is a masseur.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about like he, it. I think I knew yeah. that at like one point and then I forgot because it's not like needed knowledge and my brain was just like, whatever.
0: Yeah. And he's not an active masseur. It was something he did when he came back overseas. I think after he left the military, I think, and he doesn't do it anymore except for me. But like, oh my god, when he tries to get my knots out, I'm like, are you mad at me? Did I do something to you? Because it hurts so bad. Like, because he gets in there, he's like,
1: no, you can handle this. I'm like, I can't. I'm a baby, right? But then afterward, you're like, okay, okay, this feels good now. Yeah. Okay. Thank God I can, you know, breathe without
0: throbbing pain. Right. All right. So I got that bottle of Chardonnay open and it is also from that Naked Wines box. And it is uh, either Jacques Coulet or Jack Cole, as I'm going to refer to it because I'm not fancy. It's J A C. C O L E, and it's oak fermented Chardonnay from the Russian River Valley in Sonoma County, year 2018. Ooh, fancy. I actually I was gonna say 2018 was a good year, and I'm like, was it though? I, I mean, don't know. it was better I than 2019.
1: <laughs> it was definitely better yeah, than this well. year.
0: My my thing is though, like, I don't remember a lot from 2018. I was like, what was I doing that year? Did I block it out for a reason? <laughs> But uh, I am going to, I'm going to read the back here. And this is from, uh, this is like a note from the creator, Jack Cole, or Jacques Collet. If I'm saying your name wrong, accept it. This is who I am. I'm trying. I consider the Russian River Valley to be the ultimate growing region for Chardonnay in California. I always forget the Russian River Valley is not in Russia. (laughs) And thanks to your resounding support, I had an opportunity to make a beautiful oak-fermented wine from a new vineyard there! This wine has the same crisp, fruit-forward styling of the other Sonoma County Chardonnays I have made, but with a unique elegance that epitomizes Russian River. Thanks again to the angels for making this wine a reality. So Naked Wine, their whole thing is like, um... You know, supporting independent winemakers, and if you're buying their wine, they call you an angel because you're helping support people make these unique wines and yeah. everything. So that's why the last couple of wines I've read keep talking about angels. Not everyone's getting all spiritualist over here, but we are the angels, Kelly.
1: We are. Ah, I'm okay with that. Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't
0: even think I have to ask what we're cheering to. Cheers to you. Cheers. Soon to be
1: plastic Kelly, the cup.
0: psychologist.
1: Yeah. There we oh, go. Oh
0: shit! I had another. I had another glass, but I, because I was going to use it for the clink, but I forgot to bring it in before I got set up. So I'm going to clink with the bottle. Okay.
1: Ooh. That I did was my pretty. Pl- good. I did my plastic clink. <laughs> and then I believe. How is it? Ooh, that's fruity. Dry. Is it like a fruity drink? It's fruity, but
0: yeah, like it starts out fruity and then it mellows out very quickly. It's dry. I like it, though. I'm not usually a Chardonnay person, but I like
1: this. I'm getting more into dry whites. Like the longer we've been doing this podcast, the more I'm like, mm, dry white.
0: Yeah. You know, we actually haven't had like a Moscato or a Riesling in quite
1: a while. And that used to be our like go-to. Right? We'll have to have one soon when we get back together. Woof. Sorry, wine burps. That's That came on quickly. Super
0: attractive. Uh, I know. You know to someone it totally is.
1: <laughs> Jared obviously.
0: We actually high five whenever one of us bur- like gives a really good burp. So,
1: yeah, you got you got to compliment the the good belches. Oh, my ear itches, sorry.
0: Oh, you're fine. That's very hot. You scratching your ear like that. You know, this
1: is this is why we don't live stream our podcast. <laughs> no one oh needs my to God. see me.
0: I don't know. I think one of these days we'll do a Patreon episode where we live stream and we just like we won't shower for a couple days. We'll be oh natural right. like People will love not wearing it. bras, PJs, just just a couple of wrecks. It'll be, it'll be wonderful. Couple of hot messes. There you go. Hot mess herstory. That's going to be our spinoff podcast.
1: (laughs) It will have our, we'll have have our juice box episodes and then hot mess herstory. And then instead of saying what we're thankful for, we'll say like,
0: why is your life a hot mess this week? And we're never going to have to think about it.
1: Right. It's always going to be like, where do I start? (laughs) Right. Those will be Patreon exclusive episodes.
0: Yeah, you have to, like, pay to see us in that kind of state, you guys. Right. We're not giving that shit <laughs> it's, away it's for like free. It's like
1: how wine and crime has their drunk dry- dives will have hot mess history. That's actually a really good idea. Uh, I love it. All right, well, I think I'm going first this week. You are. I get to be lulled by your dulcet tones. I'm going to read the whole story like I'm working a sex phone line. <laughs> what are you
0: wearing? PJs. They're fleece. Mm, So soft. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Donate to our Patreon to have that be your ringtone. Anyway.
1: That would be great. What are you wearing? Fleece. (laughs) Best ringtone. So
0: soft. Only a little matted from
1: years of wear and tear. (laughs) I actually got dressed today. I had to take my dog to the vet. Just, (laughs) Just yearly stuff, you know. But nice you I know, have when to do you're that on furlough too. everything just blends together so the fact that i like got dressed and went out and did something today is pretty amazing
0: i've become so resistant to leaving my house because i'm not used to doing it anymore i'm like right. ugh, it's but weird like uh getting in my car like driving feels weird like
1: do i remember how to do this i know where's my signal that was my thing is because a lot of times when we do go places, Justin will drive. And so, yeah, like when I drove because he was working and I drove the dog to the vet. I'm like, why does it feel so weird to drive? Right.
0: Anyway, you can start our quarantine now. woes. <laughs> so I'm really excited about this woman. Uh, One of my friends, uh, Jory, has actually recommended to her recommended her to me a few times but I like, could never think of her name she's like oh she did this that and the other thing and I'm like I don't care who she is that sounds amazing I'm covering her and so finally she like texted me oh I figured out who it is so this one is dedicated to you Jory Yeah, uh, I love you you're amazing and this woman's amazing so on behalf of my friend who's not a psychopath and that'll make sense very soon I'm covering Olga
1: of Kiev is this one you should have saved for October?
0: Um, I'm comfortable not saving for her for October because one, I don't want to, I need to talk about her right now. But two, there's a weird twist at the end and you're going to see why maybe she's like not one of the felonious females we want to cover in October. Okay. <laughs> the story's fucking nuts and I'm very excited. So we're taking a trip way back, like way, way back. So we don't know when Olga was born, but it was somewhere between 890 A.D. and 925 A.D. We are in triple digits of years. And honestly, when we're looking that far back, a 35-year discrepancy is pretty accurate. Like, whoa, you narrowed it down to a 35-year span? That's amazing. Right? Like, good job. So Olga was allegedly of Viking origin and was born in skov in russia and that's spelled p-s-k-o-v i didn't look up the pronunciation because i think i only have to say it once so i'm sorry i'm just gonna do a preemptive sorry for all my pronunciations so like many women of ancient times we don't know much about olga until she became associated with a powerful man so who Mm. knows like she she was a child and then she married a powerful dude and she was suddenly relevant to the annals of history of course so she married <laughs> she married prince igor the of kiev who was the son and heir of rurik who was the founder of the rurik dynasty and their family tree includes ivan the terrible and the romanovs
1: all right then that's some nice company to be in yeah,
0: and honestly like all the craziness in their family tree like it originates here and it they all come by it very honestly. So Olga and Igor were living in the capital of Kiev ruling over Kievan Rus, a territory that was comprised of a loose federation of conquered tribes which spanned across Russia, Ukraine and Belarus. And side note, every time I see Belarus, I say Belarusi because i had a little i had a little girl that i taught and her family she like went to visit them in belarus and she always called it belarusi and she would sing it she like belarusi oh, and i'm cute. like oh my god i love you can i adopt you you're adorable right so belarus is forever belarusi it has been decided by a 3 year old get over it <laughs> Anyway, the territory was largely conquered by Oleg, who w- uh, was basically serving as the regent after Igor's father died. So Igor's father's the king. He dies. Igor's too young. So Oleg is like, OK, I'm going to king it up for a bit. OK. Now, bordering this territory was a tribe known as the of lions who had a contentious relationship with the ki- with kiev and ruse uh they used to be tight and would engage in military campaigns and pay tribute to earlier rulers but when oleg the guy who actually conquered everything died they started giving their money to a local warlord so it's kind of like whether they liked him or hated him they had an allegiance with oleg and once he was out of the picture he's like okay fuck this shit right we're not They're giving like, you anything. no we're done like is either they liked him or they were afraid of him. And once he died, it was like, no. Jeez. And honestly, this like reads like a teen drama. Like, oh, we were tight. Now we're not. Like, oh, my God, you're giving money to someone else? But that's supposed to be my money. I thought we were friends. That's funny. So to quell all the drama, Igor visited. I- Shit. Why didn't I write down any pronunciations? I'm usually pretty good at that. East Korosten, uh the Lion capital, which is present-day Korosten in Ukraine. Uh, now, this wasn't a pleasant visit. This wasn't like, hey, guys, you know, I feel really bad about how everything went down when Oleg was around. I just want to, like, make peace. Instead, Igor was determined to get the Drevlians to pay tribute and showed up with a large army to make sure they did. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, that's how you did it back then. Oh, yeah. if, you, if you showed up without an army, you like, why bother? So the Drev Lions backed down to Igor's larger army and paid up. So then Igor left. And that's where this story should end. But Igor decided that the Drev Lions didn't pay enough. Like, I guess he didn't count it before he started the journey back. Like, these aren't next door neighbors. Like, there's right. a, a, some travel involved. Jeez. So anyway, he and his army went back to demand more money. And I'm not saying that this was wise or a cool move on Igor's part, but what happened next was brutal. Not so nice. So upon his arrival, the Lions, led by Prince Maul, captured Igor, tied him to tree trunks, and tore him in two. Mm. I'm not sure if that's... Crossways or down the middle, but I I don't think it's good either way.
1: <laughs> yeah, probably not. And like,
0: it's possible that this is this, this is a sensationalized account. But either way, Igor is super fucking dead. Igor left behind his wife Olga and their three-year-old son Svetoslav. Uh, and with her husband dead and her son too young to rule, Olga took the throne. Yeah. Unfortunately, in inheriting the throne, Olga also inherited a serious problem. The Drevlines were feeling pretty pumped after tearing Igor in half, and had decided it was time to move up in the world. Like they're like, yeah, they're like, they're in their post-pump glow. (laughs) Like they lifted more than they ever had. They're like, I can fucking do anything.
1: (laughs) Right? They're like, I got this.
0: Right. But ever the gentleman, the Drevlions weren't going to wage all-out war with Olga. They decided instead to send messengers to persuade Olga to marry Prince Maul, the man behind her husband's murder. As one does. Yeah. Super confident in their plan and probably expecting to be greeted by a weeping Olga, 20 Drevlion negotiators hopped on a boat and sailed to Kiev with their proposal. When the negotiators arrived in court and presented Olga with their proposal, uh, Olga replied, quote, Your proposal is pleasing to me indeed. My husband cannot rise again from the dead, but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now to your boat and remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow and you shall say... We will not ride on horses, no, go- nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat, and you shall be carried in your boat. So she's like, "This all sounds cool. My husband's dead, either way. But like, let me thank you for, you know, not trying right. to murder me. I guess so. Come back. <laughs> I like we're that. Gonna, like, go,
1: go, be arrogant, and we'll yeah. carry you and your boat back here. Yeah, basically, so like, like, dude, we're I hear that. Build this shit up. I hear that, and I'm like. Mm, I don't know if you should trust this woman.
0: <laughs> so the Drivlyan, uh negotiator said,
1: cool, probably. I don't know. Something like that. You know, whatever the slang of the day was.
0: Yeah. They like did one of the little surfer yeah, there you go. <laughs> hand waves. They returned the next day and stood in their boat outside the court repeating the words Olga asked them to say. We will not ride on horses no gore, no gore, nor go on foot, carry us in our boat. And they also fucked the lineup just like I did. That's that's historical yeah,
1: fact.
0: 100%. This is all canon. <laughs> Suddenly, the citizens of Kiev all grabbed the boat and lifted it into the air, carrying it like a palaquin. Uh, the negotiators were like, whoa, this is sweet. They must be really into us. Probably.
1: Most likely. I could see that.
0: They were carried into the court and promptly dropped into a trench, which Olga had ordered to be dug the day before. The negotiators were then buried alive by the people of Kiev. With their boat. Yeah, like, they're all in the boat, all in the trench, and people are just thrown in dirt on top of them. Hmm. And because she's a bad bitch, Olga leaned over the trench to watch the men be buried alive and, quote, inquired whether they found the honor to their taste. Olga is cold as hell. (laughs) And yet that's kind of fantastic. Right? Like, man, I'm not advocating for murder here, but, like, they did kill her husband. Like, I get it. I get it. Now, this is dark as hell, but Olga was not done. She wrote to the lions who obviously didn't know what had happened, saying that they should send, quote, their distinguished men to her in Kiev so that she may go with her- their prince with due honor. So she's looking for an escort to go marry Prince Mal.
1: Right. She's like, I don't know where the- your people went. They must have gotten lost between me and you, but I accept your offer, so send me an escort.
0: Well, I don't even think she's implying that the guys went missing. She's like, hey, I got your message. Let's do this. I'm down to clown. Again, probably she said that. <laughs> the driv- Lions again, were like, this is awesome. Absolutely. And sent the best men who governed the land of Dereva. Okay. I only say that once, too, so I'm bad at it.
1: It's okay. Still when the men me.
0: arrived in Kiev... <laughs> Olga, ever the hostess, ordered the people of Kiev to draw them a bath in the city's bathhouse. After all, they were probably tired and gross from their journey. However, when the Driblions entered the bathhouse, Olga sealed the doors and set fire to them so the men burned to death inside.
1: Oh my god, that's kind of fantastic, though. Isn't that nuts? terrible, but also kind of fantastic. Now, like the old saying goes...
0: These things come in threes. Olga sent yet another message to the Drift Lions asking them to, quote, prepare great quantities of mead in the city where you killed my husband that I may weep over his grave and hold a funeral feast for him. She's like, I have to honor my dead husband for- before I get married again. Like, I think you guys can respect that, right? Right. Because nothing says mourning like getting sloppy on a bunch of mead. That's when I do my best mourning. Olga, accompanied by some attendants, did go to the Drevlian capital of Iskoristen, where she indeed had a funeral feast at the grave of her husband. The Drevlians joined in the feast and got sloppy on mead, as one does at a funeral. Yep. Once all of the Drevlians were wasted,
1: Olga ordered her
0: attendants to murder everybody.
1: I kind of see see where she is. (laughs) Like
0: Yeah. She's getting shot. I mean, guys. Guys, there's a pattern here, and if you haven't picked up on it, you're not paying attention. Right. <laughs> so as she watched her attendants murder 5,000 dread lions, she cheered them on. Uh, like, they're clearly all a bunch of super assassins who are just pretending to be clearly attendants. But she's cheering them on. She's going like, kill, my pretties, kill! Probably. cannon. Once they completed the slaughter, Olga returned to Kiev to raise her army and finish annihil- annihilating the Drevlians. Like this was the appetizer to her bloodbath. Initially, Olga was able to drive back Drevlian forces to the to their capital. Not done with her trickery, though, Olga sent the Drevlians a message. "Quote: Why do you persist in holding out? All your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute." so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace but you had rather tied of hunger without submitting to tribute so she's like guys i've taken over everything you're the last stronghold like we can all be cool if you just fucking surrender now, the Lions wrote back that they would indeed send a tribute, but naturally they were concerned that this wouldn't pacify Olga's thirst for vengeance because they had right. also caught on to the pattern.
1: <laughs> they're like, we understand what you're doing.
0: Yeah, they're, they're like, okay, like, we want to be cool now, but like, we need to
1: know you're going to be cool. <laughs> Please stop murdering us.
0: Olga told them that she had her fill of revenge and would be totally chill as long as they did the following. Quote, give me three pigeons and three sparrows from each house. Thinking they were getting off pretty easy, the driv lions complied. Any guesses as to how this ends?
1: They all die. That's my guess. Well,
0: yeah, but how?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Something with the birds?
0: This is actually the inspiration for Alfred Hitchcock's movie, The Birds. Except this is way more metal. Ooh. I actually don't know if that this is the inspiration. I think just birds being creepy was his inspiration. Probably. Anyway, once she had all the birds, Olga had her forces tie pieces of sulfur with little pieces of cloth to the birds' legs. Then once the sun had set and the land was blanketed in darkness, Olga cried, "Let there be light!" probably, and lit the pieces of cloth before releasing the birds, who instinctively returned to their homes in the city, setting it on nice.
1: fire. All right, that's pretty that's pretty good. You guys, this is
0: so insane. Yeah,
1: that's that's a lot of like, forethought. Like that's impressive. What?
0: As people fled the city, Olga's armies captured them, killing some and making others slave to the citizens of Kiev. A lucky few were left alive to continue being like normal citizens in order to pay her tribute. Because no she's one like, can no, pay you need, tribute your stuff, if they're guys. all dead and enslaved. Exactly. Like, what has this been about? It's all been about tribute and she's going to get her fucking tribute. After successfully conquering the Drev Lions, Olga served successfully as regent, supported by her army and her people. To make sure everyone paid their tributes, which started this whole thing, she updated the whole system, making this the first legal reform recorded in Eastern Europe. Wow. Girl's got to get her bling, okay? <laughs> yeah. And as for her love life? Olga dodged proposals left and right, and even defended the city during the siege of Kiev in 968. Wow! As queen, Olga created trading posts, hunting reserves, boundary posts, towns, and more. She used the trading posts as ways of governing distant territories. These were called pagasti, uh, and this network would help unify Ru- the Russian nation later on. So she's doing a lot of like interior groundwork that would help Russia unite. Like, that was her. That yeah. was the the bird-murdering, burying, burning bad Lady. bitch.
1: Yeah, that's crazy.
0: Once her son came of age, she turned the throne over to him. But even after he took the throne, Olga remained in charge of Kiev. And I'm sure he's, like, not going to tell her no. Like, Mom, I love right? you and I respect you, but
1: you're crazy. You're scary. <laughs> you're scary, Mom. You're scary.
0: She, like he's growing up and he's like, mommy, will you tell me a story? She's like, yeah, honey, let me tell you about that time I buried a bunch of people alive in a boat.
1: Let me tell you about these firebirds.
0: <laughs> Dude, every time I read the word tribute, I kept thinking of Hunger Games and I didn't put that together until you said firebirds. I was like, but then like the Mockingjay and she's got like the fire dress and she's a bird and... Maybe this also inspired the Hunger Games. I don't know. (laughs) Just
1: inspired everything. It's fine.
0: So during this time, Olga also converted to Christianity, being christened with the name Helena. This led her to also try to turn uh, the Kievan Rus empire to Christianity. While her son wasn't super into it, he agreed not to persecute Christians in the kingdom, which, like, is super progressive. It sounds so dumb, like not trying to kill someone because of their religion, but especially at this time, that was just like what you did. <laughs> he also probably knew that wouldn't go over well with his mom. So uh Olga was trying to spread Christianity, and she also went ahead and began building a bunch of churches. Oh, wow. And no one told her no because they knew what she was capable of. Right. On July 11th, 969 AD, Olga died from illness, causing all of Kievan Rus to weep. Her son, Sivla... Sivatislav, sorry, uh, was actually going to move the capital uh, somewhere else on the Danube River. But Olga asked him to wait until her final day. She's like, the capital's been in Kiev. I've been ruling over Kiev. Like, I'm on my way out. If you could just hold off. Like, just
1: wait a week. It's fine.
0: Yeah. Despite not being on board with Christianity, Svetoslav, who is clearly like an awesome son, like he just comes off as like a good son in this story, he agreed to abide by his mother's beliefs and had Olga buried in the Christian tradition with a priest and no pagan funeral feast. But let's be honest, the last one she went to ended pretty poorly for a lot of people. Yeah, Her tomb remained in Kiev for over two centuries, but was destroyed by Mongolian armies in 1240. Boom. Aww. Legacy. If Olga sounds familiar to you, it may be because in 1547, nearly 600 years after her death, the Russian Orthodox Church named Olga, the woman who buried men alive, who burned them alive with birds and in bathhouses and just straight up murdered a ton of people, a saint.
1: Of course they did.
0: Yes, the woman who tricked and brutally murdered thousands. In a series of creative and horrifying ways is a fucking saint who is, quote, equal to the apostles. She also is recognized as a saint in the Roman Catholic Church. It's
1: probably because she was probably one of the first to start bringing Christianity to that area.
0: They will overlook a lot if you were trying to spread Christianity. (laughs) Right. Honestly, I kind of think that, like, because she became a Christian After all of that, if they're like, no, 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 that was before she was a Christian. It's Spain. She wasn't a Christian yet. Like, it's all about
1: forgiveness, right? (laughs) See, in the back then, they were just handing that out. Now it's like you need to perform three miracles to be a saint. Well, she did send an army of firebirds. (laughs) That That counts as at least two.
0: Yeah. Like, I don't know. Uh, her feast day is July 11th, the day of her death, and she is the patron of widows and converts. So they are acknowledging, like, her past before she became a Christian, and her becoming a widow started all of her murdering, so... And,
1: and firebirds.
0: Yeah. They thought about tacking on untold vengeance, but it didn't vibe with the peace and love that, they, that the church was going for. Makes sense.
1: I mean, unless we get all, like, Old Testament... Then it would be 100%. She's basically queen of the Old Testament. Let's be
0: honest. <laughs> so she has a boatload of churches, cathedrals, and monuments dedicated to her to the point where I didn't even bother listing them all out. Because it's just going to be Church of Olga, Cathedral of Olga, Olga's Church, Olga's Cathedral, Olga's Monument. There. I, I did it. I'm done. That's all of them. However... The facts surrounding her deadly revenge are iffy and potentially are sensationalized or even fictional accounts. The primary research on her is the Primary Chronicle, which is like an old history of Kiev and Rus'. Uh, and it's, I mean, anything that old, it's hard to trust it completely. Uh, but I super don't fucking care. Herstory headcanon, Olga is the saint of bad bitches. Right. Done. She 100%. is the patron saint of bad bitches. <laughs> like
1: We're going oh to we're going to put a firebird, like a bird on fire on our uh jean jackets for her.
0: Everyone's going to be like, "Oh, is that like Hunger Games?" and we're going to laugh and be like, "Bitch, you haven't heard of Olga of Kiev, patron saint of bad bitches. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about these firebirds." Oh my god. I had That's so fantastic. much fun doing that research and learning her story. And I just want to share it with everyone. But I'm like, I thought about saving her for October. I'm like, ah, but she's a saint.
1: Yeah, that would kind of, (laughs) you know, that doesn't mesh very well with the rest of them that we tend to do.
0: So uh, growing up, I went to a Catholic school. In October, we had our uh, Saints Parade. So all all the kids would pick a saint. I remember that.
1: We went went to different Catholic schools growing up, but we both went to Catholic schools.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you do a lot of the same shit. You're working from a very similar book across the board. But uh, so every year, all the kids in the school would have to do a report. So you pick a saint, you do a report on them, and then you dress up as them, give your report. And then we'd have a parade where we'd walk like up and down the street in front of the school. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. But I'm really mad because I I didn't do this. Pro- like, I had never heard of her. And maybe there's a reason for that. She wasn't in the books they provided. Right. <laughs> but I would have dressed up as a murder bird. <laughs> that would have been great. Right? I think I did, I did Mary, the Virgin Mary. I did Mother Teresa. And um, oh, my God, there's a... Uh, um a native american woman who's dubbed a saint and i did her one year and i feel really bad that i don't remember her name
1: (laughs) i can't remember who i did it's so long ago right i just tried there was uh, from my memory
0: there's this one saint whose name i don't remember um i'm a bad catholic She's like the patron saint of people with poor eyesight because uh, part of her martyrdom is that she got her eyes plucked out or something. And so she's always presented as like holding a little plate with her eyes in them, which is metal as hell. And there was actually a kid who like dressed up as her and just like didn't do anything to the eyes, but just had a little plate with some like fake eyeballs. And I'm like, oh, my God. Wow. (laughs) That's a
1: little bit terrifying.
0: She was included in our saint books. I, like, vividly remember seeing those pictures of her carrying her own eyes around. God, that's terrifying. Maybe I'll cover her. (laughs) I'll just do a whole series on, like, deadly metal
1: tragic saints. That would be kind of interesting. I was trying to look up what the saint that our school was named, the school I went to was named after. Um... Like what she did, oh, it was I bad. It was like, do you not it remember was, the like she got she got like tied to a tree and assaulted, and it was real bad. Ew.
0: Yeah, guys. Like as a kid, I thought it'd be so cool. Like, what if I became a saint someday? But the shit you have to usually endure to become a saint is not okay. It's not fun. Don't do it. <laughs> be a good person, but you don't have to be a saint. Get your eyes plucked out. I guess she Although was, it worked out
1: pretty well for Olga. <laughs> I guess um, St. Odelia was blind as well. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. She never her eyes plucked out. She was blind from birth. Oh, and then she was supposed to be mind. put to death. And then her mom convinced her to let her be raised by nuns. So then she got raised by nuns. But she was like really pretty. And then her blindness got cured. Don't know how that happened. Miracle number one. Yep. So and then she so she got sent home somehow. But then her dad kept trying to marry her off. But she still wanted to be a nun. And then her dad got really mad. Um, when she was bringing food to the poor. So, he gave her a castle to use as a convent. <laughs> what? This is not the story I remember. But yeah, this is the, she's the patron saint saint of people with eye problems.
0: That's funny.
1: That's not the story I remember.
0: <laughs> that story does sound kind of familiar. I think I remember like a rich guy having a hot daughter he wanted to marry off, and she's like, "But the poor," and he's like, "No,
1: ew, no." <laughs> right? Exactly. They're like, mm, let's let's not.
0: You're rich. You don't have to care about poor people. Leave that to ugly perpetual virgins. Yeah.
1: Anyways, that was a really long side topic, guys. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Welcome okay. to uh, Christian Saint Hour with Emily and Kelly.
1: Right. God be, be with you. That would be terrible. <laughs> On All so right. many levels. Kelly, who are you covering today? I'm covering Esther Morris. Never heard of her. Good. So <laughs> um, she was originally born Esther McQuig, which is a great last name. Oh, my God. That's a name um and she was born in the village of spencer in tioga county in new york um this is 1814 so we're getting you know a little closer to now than yours was okay
0: we're we're jumping ahead quite a bit
1: quite a bit there's a big gap there um there's a lot of reports even in the research i found that say that she was orphaned at an early age but they're most people like in the newer stuff are pretty sure that that wasn't a thing like she wasn't an orphan like her mom died when she was 14 but she still had her dad and grandmother and siblings like she had family she wasn't an orphan and she lived apparently lived with her family until she was about 21 when she then started apprenticing to a seamstress and then according to information on the U.S. Capitol website on her she became a hat maker and a businesswoman so this is how she's starting out.
0: She's uh, she's got her hustle going, right? Every day she's hustling, hustling. Pet um, Bob, <laughs> yeah,
1: that's why we we're both doing it. Um, so then several years into her business, she married a man named Artemis Slack. Oh, uh, who, who was a civil engineer. Um, however, he sounds he di- made up. I know, right? <laughs> however, uh, he died just three years later, which is sad. Um, and then after that happened, she moved to Illinois um, where her husband had, pro- had bought property. So they were going to move together. But since they had this property, she moved out there. However, women weren't allowed to inherit property at this time or own property at this time. So she ran into a lot of legal roadblocks um, and ended up just moving to a different city in Illinois, probably because they wouldn't let her have the property. You know, it's weird that you can
0: be property, but then you can't, like, own it or inherit it or do anything. You can just be property or you, have yeah. property.
1: Exactly. You don't get to be both.
0: You can't have your cake no, and eat no, it too, honey. Emily. You you don't understand how property works. Bitch, I am property. <laughs> right? Like,
1: if anyone understands what property is, it's me. <laughs>
0: And I'm not saying women are actually property, guys. That's just no, how they no, were viewed at the
1: time. Yes, we're making fun of I it. I shouldn't um, have
0: to say that, but I'm terrified of getting that email. Emily, um, I uh, really hate how you think that women are property. As someone who has a women's history
1: podcast, I think you'd know better. Like, no, I was joking! <laughs> right. Um, so she, she ended up moving to a different city in Illinois, which was named Peru, Illinois. And in 1850, she got remarried to a man named John Morris. So that's how she got her... Last name Esther Morris. Okay. Um. Who was just a local merchant in the area, and at this time she did have a son from her first marriage, whose name was Archibald Slack. From the like I said, from the first marriage, they called him Archie, which is great names. I know. Um. And so in in 1868, so she had been married for her husband for a while. Her husband and that oldest son Archie moved to Wyoming to participate in the gold rush. And open a saloon in Gold Rush territory. Okay. So, husband, oldest son, heading out. All right. A year later, Esther and her two younger sons, who were 18 year old twins, she just has her hands full. Um, vent- you know, by then, her husband and oldest son had kind of set up. So, the three of them ventured out west to rejoin. The family so the family could be together the town that they had settled in was named south pass city in wyoming um it was a very dry area very rocky very very different from what esther would have been used to living in illinois in the midwest did you say illinois i did i'm sorry living in illinois we can't
0: be friends anymore we absolutely cannot be friends it just
1: like slipped out
0: i did i so i i was born in illinois and did I tell you? I think the first time I ever got my mom into a hot topic was to show her a shirt that had the outline of the state of Illinois on it, and it said Illinois. The S is silent. Stupid. <laughs> I'm not calling you stupid because you're not. The shirt
1: is. Uh, I didn't even you. like. <laughs> I didn't even like mean to say the S. It just kind of like came out. I have to. I have to defend oh, yeah. Illinois. <laughs> it the was corn like was watching, runs in my blood. I was watching a- video the other day and the guy who is in the videos from like new jersey and he was like everybody comments on the way i say water because in new jersey they say water like water w W how i would say it pronounces w-u-d-d-e-r so they say like water okay so he was like stop commenting on the way i say water it's just how people in new jersey say it oh god it's like
0: those people who say bagel or milk it's like no it's
1: bagel and milk Warsh. That's the number one the one that gets me when people are like, oh, it's a wor- a washing machine. And I'm like, that's not even a word.
0: Wait, how do you say the the stuff that goes on pancakes that comes from Canada? Syrup. It's syrup, you heathen.
1: <laughs> I know. I was like, she's going to yell at me. At least you don't call a water fountain a bubbler like, a those, bubbler, like those
0: people in Wisconsin.
1: <laughs> those Eastern people. Ugh. And by Eastern people, I mean Wisconsin. <laughs>
0: That's as far east as we go. I had this ongoing feud with one of my friends in college because she was from Wisconsin. She's like, no, it's a bubbler. And the guy who invented it called it a bubbler. And I'm like, I don't really care. And so we went to a history museum in Wisconsin, like it, I think it was right. in Madison. And she got a shirt that said like bubbler and had a picture of a water That's fountain super on funny. it.
1: I like Googled that once because I was talking to someone from Wisconsin. Someone from Wisconsin who didn't know it was called a bubbler. Oh my God. And I, so I told them, you know, like that we went, we went to a school on the border of Wisconsin and Minnesota. So like there was this big like feud, you know, is it a bubbler? Is it a water fountain? And so then I had to like look it up and yeah, yes, the person who invented it does, is from Wisconsin and originally it was called a bubbler, but like everywhere else. It's called a water fountain. It's like duck duck grey duck. Yeah, no, it's you know, that's that's how it is. Anyways. <laughs> so she moved from, you know, Illinois, New York, fertile green areas to Wyoming. Yeah. If it's very not different. just
0: acres of beans and corn, it's no, very it's acres different from of, Illinois. You know,
1: desert ish. Desert-ish? Rocky-ish? I don't know. I've never been to Wyoming. Maybe we'll go Why there now. Why bother? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Well, now we'll go to see her statue anyways. Yes. Um, so she lived in a 7,500 feet, 7,500 foot cottage. That's not a cottage. No. That had sod roof in a barren gulch at the mouth of a canyon that was owned by her oldest son and all of them lived there together so she's living in a
0: massive dirt mansion at the bottom of a canyon oh no
1: sorry 7500 feet in elevation the house was oh. 20 the house was 24 feet by 26 feet okay
0: that makes more sense i was like you guys built a house that big and you built no. it out
1: of sod are Tiny you house. fucking serious <laughs> Tiny house is a log cabin with a sod roof. So five of them okay. living in a living in a twenty four foot by twenty six foot house. I'm pretty sure that's the size of some people's like living rooms. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah. Um, as you can imagine, it, winters were very brutal. Um, a a lot of the South Pass residents tended to like leave for the winter and then come back because. This was an area where, if you were there in the winter, that that was it. You were stuck, like you weren't going oh, anywhere. You know, like so you're stuck in, in that town. Yeah, a lot of people snow snowbirded, and at one point during the gold rush, it did. The population was nearly four thousand residents. Wow. Well, the thing you have to realize is that this is basically a camp that came up because of the gold rush. So they don't even really consider it a town. It's more of they call it a camp. It's just you know, a collection of people who showed up one day. Exactly. Um, at okay. the time, both her husband John and her son Archie had purchased in uh, interest in mining properties, so like they were doing okay. Because of course, at first, the prospects of finding gold in that area were huge. You know, the mines were doing really well. Maybe some people found gold. You know, things were going great. Uh, Stanford University said at, at one point um, between 1868 and 1869 they employed 2,000 workers in that town, so half the population of this camp. Exactly, but then of course, wow. as we all know, came the you know the gold rust was kind of a bust, you know, and by 1870, so just a year later, most miners had left, and there was as few as 460 people still living there. Wow, that num that number dwindled down to a hundred remaining by 1875. Damn. So I mean, people cleared out pretty quick afterward.
0: They're looking for more gold, or they're going to go spend their gold rush money somewhere else
1: that's not in right. Wyoming. But 1875 is a little bit after what I'm doing. I just thought that was an interesting fact. So okay. Esther Morris was settling into her life in her new home in South Pass City when, in 1870, the she decided to run for justice of the peace. Okay. Yep. Um, this is because Wyoming had in 1865, um, long before the amendment that let us vote, um, Wyoming had allowed women to vote. Wyoming was super progressive way back when. I think I remember hearing that. Yep. Um, 1865 is when Wyoming passed their, you know, women's right to vote but still her wanting to be justice of the peace is still a huge deal but you yeah absolutely it's a you know she has more ground to stand on than a woman elsewhere in the country I wonder
0: where that desire to run for office came from like it just seems so out of left field like I know
1: and there really wasn't a whole lot like coming up to it like there's there's a few false stories about it and I'll like talk talk about that. Um but yeah, like there you know there was no big like event. It just like suddenly went into her being applying for this position. It was very interesting.
0: I I mean it kind of makes sense because her whole life like she's hustling, she's getting it done. She's just right. she's just doing things, you know? Like I'm going to I'm going to move to Illinois. I'm going to move to Wyoming. I'm going to do this. I'm going to like, right. She just is like I'm going to do this
1: and then she does it right and it does from what people have seen like it did take some quote unquote prodding to you know get her accepted and to you know like get people to consider her um, but she completed an application she submitted the $500 bond required and Damn! and the Board of commissioners uh, voted two to one to approve to approve her to be the justice of the peace. Wow. And this was because someone else was stepping down early because they didn't agree with the amendment that allowed women to vote that had passed in Wyoming. That is
0: so fucking poetic. I don't want women to vote. Okay, we're going to replace you with a girl.
1: What? No. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so... um, so obviously, like they telegraphed out a press release because this was historic. This was the first woman justice of the peace, yeah, in Ameri- in America, like period. And I was wrong. I said 1865 was the year they gave the women right to vote. It was 1869. Okay. So it was, it real, was just, real quick,
0: though. Yeah, Justice of the peace, that's like a judge, right? Yeah, it's a judge. I, I totally knew that I just want to be clear for our listeners who didn't know that
1: of course I understand <laughs> they're like the the lower court quote unquote you know they're obviously not the Supreme Court or anything so like yeah you know if, if you go to the courthouse to get married you're gonna get married by a justice of the peace okay okay so they do like a lot of the co- the common law stuff basically a, but yes it's a judge. Marriage and vandalism. There you go. Um, oh, no, I'm getting the burps. Um, <laughs> so the press release was the same. This, In part of it, it says, Wyoming, the youngest and one of the richest territories in the United States, gave equal rights to women in actions as well as words. Morris's momentous appointment followed the resignation of Justice R.S. Barr, who quit in protest of the territories... Territorial Legislation's Passage of the Women's Suffrage Amendment in December of 1869. However, according to someone else that wrote up like an American Heritage book, like that literally the book's called American Heritage, uh, the author is Lynn Cheney. Um, Supposedly, she came after Judge J.W. Stillman. So we're not just sure if they had the the wrong justice slash judge or, you know, but still. Hershey headcanon, She replaced the dude who didn't want women to vote, right? And it was it was written about her by Secretary Edwin M. Lee, who was the Wyoming Territory's secretary at the time. This is what he wrote about her court sessions: "Quote characterized by a degree of gravity and decorum rarely exhibited in the ju- judic oh, Jesus judicature of border precincts." So, like, they're like, hey, she did really well. Like, she was official. She, you know, like, she kept her court in order. And he, he also said, quote, improvement in the tone of public morals was noticeable. So, like, she was getting shit done. Nice. One sad thing I noted, though, was that uh, in April 1870, when um, Frank Leslie's illustrated newspaper, which was a national publication, um... When they wrote about her first day on the job, they, they focused first before anything else on her clothing because of course. I was going to say, was it about how hot or not she was? Oh, So this is what they wrote. They wrote, quote, a ca- she wore a calico gown, worst- worsted breakfast shawl, green ribbons in her hair, and a green necktie. Later in the article, they did mention that she offered, quote, infinite delight to all lovers of peace and virtue and nicknamed her the terror of all rogues terror
0: of all rogues
1: yeah i do like that, that is part.
0: amazing i have to say i'm imagining this article where it's just a solid page of breaking down her outfit and then going by the way she's doing a good job as justice of the peace and she's a terror for all rogues the end
1: right it's like a side like, like the note last the line bt dub
0: she's justice of the peace did you not know that
1: <laughs> right um So Esther began her tenure in 1870 because the guy retired in December. So February 1870 is when she like kind of picked everything up. And she started out by arresting the previous judge because he was refusing to hand over his court docket. So like she couldn't pick up his work because she didn't have the docket. However, so the guy who doesn't want women to vote, who's getting replaced
0: by a woman, is like, "No, yeah, women basically. are too emotional. I'm not giving you my stuff." Nah, 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 nah.
1: Yeah, he's being emotional. Um, word for she, word, historical she went on. Quote. Yeah, one hundred percent happened. You know, he's throwing stuff on the ground. He's kicking his feet. I don't red in the leave. face. Yeah, exactly. Um, she did end up dismissing her own case. Basically saying um, that she didn't really technically have the authority to arrest him. Like she could charge him with something, but she didn't have the authority to arrest him. So she just started her own docket and started holding court sitting on a wood slab in her living room.
0: Oh, my God. I imagine she's like, everything you did was crap anyway. I don't even want it. I'm starting with a fresh, clean slate.
1: Um the same author I mentioned before Lynn Cheney wrote um, when lawyers appeared in her court they would tr- uh, when lawyers who appeared in her court tried to embarrass her with legal terms and technicalities she admitted her lack of training but was quick to let them know just whose court they were in one of the lawyers who practiced before her recalled that petty foggers she showed no mercy or two petty, petty foggers, foggers she showed no mercy um what petty is foggers a petty fogger? are um an inferior lawyer. Oh. So like or someone she would consider an inferior lawyer or like someone that tends to deal in like really petty cases or kind of does dubious things or like, you know, they're, they're sketchy, the sketchy, sleazy lawyers. OK,
0: the guys who are like suing over like dumb bullshit. Right. And she, like frivolous she... lawsuits and just trying exactly. to get someone money because.
1: Yep. And she had no time for them.
0: I want to bring that word back.
1: Yes, like I, I feel like petty we refer foggers. to
0: all lawyers as petty foggers. We're like, oh, they're lawyers. All lawyers are the same. But I wanted, I want to distinguish the petty foggers from the
1: rest. Right? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, so obviously, when she held court, it was over a lot of miners, the gamblers, you know, business owners, prostitutes, because this is a mining town. In which men outnumbered women four to one. Oh, my God. So, like, she's probably mainly dealing with men and then, like, a few prostitutes. And apparently it was really rough, you know, obviously, because it's like Wyoming's a new territory, you know, it's mainly men, you know, things are really rough. And it didn't help that her husband, John, didn't really support and actually almost actively opposed his wife's job and would oh, make John. S- yeah, he was known as a brawler, an idler, and a drunk and repeatedly made scenes in her court to the point where she had him jailed. Jesus Christ, John. Like she was please, like, I am done. To tell us how tiny your, your dick shit is. Right? She's like, I'm done with your shit. Like, sir. wow.
0: He is just overcompensating, and it's embarrassing, John. It really right. is.
1: However, she was able to look f- to her sons for support in the courtroom. Like they were super, you know, like okay with it. Archie, her oldest, um, she appointed as a district clerk, and Robert, one of her twins, um, was a deputy clerk, and they so they would help with like keeping court records and drawing up arrest warrants and kind of like making sure things flowed smoothly. But they were totally on board with their mom. Well, she raised them right. Exactly. Good thing John didn't believe that raising kids was a man's job, <laughs> right? Um, so she was only in office eight months because that was like the remaining term that was there when she took office. But she ruled over tw- at least twenty-seven cases, potentially more, of which n- at least nine were criminal. Wow. None of none of them were ever overturned, according to the Wyoming State Archives. A few were appealed, but they the verdict was upheld. So
0: everyone kind of agreed with her rulings and was on yeah. board with her. That's cool, right?
1: Um, she did seek re-election after, um, but both parties uh failed to like nominate her because they were stupid.
0: Oh, what? Yep. It just seemed like everyone was really driving with her.
1: Oh yeah, and she she received so many like everyone was favorable. Like they said she did a great job. Like her newspaper, the newspaper in the area said they did a great job. Um, And it it was published in the Wyoming Tribune, which is like a statewide newspaper. That quote: "The people of Sweetwater County had not the good sense and judgment to nominate an elector for the ensuing term." Oh my god! So that y'all are idiots. what the fuck, you guys? Right. So after her term, um, well, like immediately after her term. So her term ended in December of 1870. So this is January of 1871. She was actually invited to speak at the na- National Woman Suffrage Convention because, of course, um, she, was, she said she wasn't able to attend but did send uh, Isabella Beecher Hooker, who was a prominent suffragist at the time, uh, a letter to be read aloud. Nice. Um so she she wrote uh qu- so she she wrote that like her appointment um due to the circumstances in the political climate quote transpired to make her position as justice of the peace a test of a woman's ability to hold a public office. She also wrote that she felt her work was satisfactory though she regretted that she was not better qualified to fill the position. Like all like all pioneers I labored more in faith and hope. You know, that's a really good point. And it's not like she would have really had a lot of opportunity
0: to get the proper training and education.
1: Right. Especially in the middle of Wyoming. Right. You know? Yeah. So unfortunately, her husband uh, continued to be an asshat. And to the point where uh, Esther actually had him arrested. Like, this was after she was a judge for assault and battery. Oh, my God. Yeah, so he was a- extra ass-hatty. Um Is he like beating her? Is he like beating on everyone else? I don't know. It it never said. It just said that she had him arrested for assault and battery. I would assume it's her, but who I knows? I feel like I feel like the kind of people who start like
0: drunken brawls, like it sounds like he did, are not like opposed to beating on their exactly. the women
1: in their lives. Like, you know, well, I'm like, okay, especially if you're this if- much of a dick, Right and just keep going. Well, and especially if he he opposed what she was doing, you know, like I could see it maybe as him being like, you know, you're my woman and like trying to assert dominance because bullshit. You know what? He was just really insecure because he has the most boring name in this whole fucking story. Right. Um. Unfortunately, the troubles continued for her family as well as because um her son, who was by then running a newspaper a newspaper in the city, uh her his. Uh, business burned down. Oh no. So Archie, cause this is the oldest son, Archie and his wife moved to a different city in a different County. Um, and at that time, kind of when he moved away, um, this was after a really hard winter and Esther was just kind of like sick of it. So this is 80 18- coming up on 1872, you know, and she was just like, I'm done. So she left the camp and her husband she first traveled to Laramie, which was where Archie had moved to. So she she went and lived with Archie for a little while, but she kind of felt unsettled, so she moved she went back to New York, so back to her roots. Okay. First to New York and then back to Springfield, Illinois. Illinois? Woo! That's yep. the capital. And- Exactly. She would so she started spending her winters in Illinois and she would return to Wyoming in the summers to see her sons mainly. You know, and she'd so she'd kind of wander between the two until she um kind of settled permanently in Cheyenne. Um that's where she settled by that uh her one of her twins had settled also in Cheyenne so she lived with him.
0: Is that and, in you know, Illinois or Wyoming?
1: Uh, Wyoming. Oh, okay. Sorry, love. It's actually the capital of Wyoming.
0: We we've had this conversation about how I bad know. I am with state
1: capitals. No one can come after me. Right. Um. She did, however, keep up on women's causes even after she left the gold mines and South Pass. Um. In 1872, she did pr- participate in a women's uh, suffrage uh, convention. She nice. was nominated. She was nominated by the Women's Party of Wyoming as a candidate for legislation in 1873, but she declined. She served as vice president for the Suffrage Association. She went to another convention. Um She presented the new Wyoming state flag during the Wyoming statehood celebration. Nice. So, like, she, she kept active. She wasn't, like, super active, but, you know, she was she was there by the way
0: i'm really sorry if you guys can hear my dog charlie barking in the background he's also very excited about you know women's history
1: he's He's like yeah (laughs) um she ended up dying in april of 1902 at the age of 89 damn um she's interred at lake you in lakeview cemetery in cheyenne uh it's just a simple stone monument um However, there are two other statues in Wyoming. Well, there's one one in Wyoming and one um, at the state capitol. Aww. Um, and then she was also honored by a New York Times obituary, one of their Forgotten People series.
0: Yep. That's exactly what they call it. Is it really? No, I'm t-
1: <laughs> I was I like, huh.
0: It's funny because we talk about it all the time, but I'm like, what do they actually call it? Because I just call it the New York Times. It's About Time Obit series, (laughs) like the fucking finally obituary series from the New York Times.
1: I'm looking it up. Hold on. They they call it they call it Overlooked.
0: Overlooked. That's it.
1: But yeah, so she got one of those. Um, So now I'm going to talk about something that some people might know her from. Because she has a reputation that kind of precedes her, but the most of the things that they talk about aren't true. So according to a man named Herman Nickerson, who was, um, (laughs) I know.
0: I'm sorry. (laughs) There's someone named Herman Nickerson alive today who's like, Emily, that was really mean the way you laughed at my name. It's just like, everyone in this story has amazing names except John whatever. Morris. 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 Like, it's just a boring name. And right. he was a dick, so I feel comfortable saying that.
1: <laughs> right. You, I'll have to send you a picture of this, of Herman Nickerson. He has, he has a, an amazing mustache.
0: I was going to say, does he look like, does he, he looks have a, like a handlebar mustache?
1: Yeah, he kind of looks like a modern day Yosemite Sam. Oh, my God. <laughs> but so he he was a state legislator that, like, represented in that area. And, like, according to him, like... Esther had hosted this tea party for Nickerson and like a different candidate. And it was like this whole thing. And she was the one that like was like, you guys should propose women's suffrage, like made both of them promise. And so like when he won his seat, he like gave her a shout out. But then like every other historians like um, that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. So he's like co-opting her legend onto his own.
1: Yeah, basically. And I mean, he sh- he gets, he or she gives him full credit. Like, she was just like, oh my God, he's amazing. You know, he gave us the right to vote. So I don't really know why he's bringing yeah. her into it. Uh, maybe just to make himself feel better. And then a friend of his, like, later, after both Esther and the other candidate that he said was at this tea party passed away... Um, this, this woman who is a historian, like, wrote and was like, yeah, this tea party, like, totally happened, you know, and it's so, like, that, like, doubled down on it.
0: It's not basically. often we and see people making shit up to include women more and to add know. to their legacy. It's more about, like, covering up their legacy. So I don't know how to feel about all this. It's weird.
1: Right. And, like... Most places doesn't don't even mention it like other than to be like, yeah, but like there's a statue of her that like talks about her as like the mother of like women's rights. And a lot of people are like, eh, like she did do good things, but I don't know if I'd go that far, you know, like, right. yeah, like I'm OK with like some other stuff says honored to be a pioneer for women's suffrage that I agree with. Oh, absolutely! The mother of civil rights. I'm like, "Mm, that might be, that might be a bit too far.
0: You know how you got the right to vote? It's because of this lady. Only her. No one else was involved.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's just. I just wanted to like touch on that in case someone's like, oh, there was this whole thing you didn't bring up about a tea party, and it's like most of what I found, like actually, I think every article I read was like, guys, this. Probably isn't true because the first record of it wasn't until 17 years after her death. Oh, yeah. That's when this guy like brought it up. And so it was just very, very odd. So yeah, that it wasn't a super exciting story, but I, I came across it and I just thought it was kind of neat.
0: You know, and that's awesome. I can't believe she wasn't like elected again, though.
1: Right. Come on, people.
0: Like, what the hell? You want someone who does a good job and everyone's like, hey, she's doing this great job, but she's done right. and we're not going to take her back. What? No.
1: And yeah, I, I was I wasn't sure about covering her at first because I'm like, yeah, she kind of did one thing for eight months, but I still thought it was worthy of being mentioned. Well, and here's the thing. Not every
0: uh, notable woman in in history, you know, murdered a bunch of people with flaming birds. You know, it's it's not always that grand. And we talk about this all the time, especially in our say their name segment. It's it's just kind of the everyday acts. And I'm not trying to diminish what she did at all, because that's no, I don't
1: think you are, especially
0: since she didn't have any training. She's just kind of like, I'm going to do this. And she did it. And like,
1: right. uh, And like, she she didn't have the support of her husband. Yeah. You know, and at at that time, that's a pretty big thing. And especially I, I thought it was kind of impressive that afterward like he got arrested and stuff but then she's just like you know what I'm done and she just kind of left and was like I'm done with the winters here I'm gonna go travel I'll come back to see my sons in the summer but I'm done
0: right but I mean it's it's one of those things we we hear so many of these very dramatic and really intense stories from women's history and not every story is like that but that doesn't mean they're any
1: less important yeah exactly I don't know But, you know, I just, I want my viewers, not viewers, listeners to be entertained. I thought that was a really
0: cool story. Thank you for sharing it. I don't think we've talked about anyone from Wyoming
1: yet. No, I don't think so. We should, like, have a little checklist and make sure we cover all the states and countries. Like, we have to cover someone from everywhere.
0: See, I've actually been trying to, like, stay away from the United States because I feel like I've covered a bunch of women. Because it's... The United States, we have a clear picture of the context of history at, you know, any given time. And so it's a little easier to wrap my head around the story. But when we go abroad, it's like, okay, I have to figure out what was going on in this foreign country at this time way, way back that I'm not aware of, you know. And so you have to do extra legwork to get the context or even understand, like, well, what the hell is this political party? What are they all about? You know, and so I'm trying to get outside of my comfort zone Right, but like, like I said, I don't think we've covered anyone from Wyoming, and I kind of forgot about Wyoming. I'm going to be honest. What all it's those not, square so, states sorry, out Wyoming. west? All those square states out west. I'm like, who are you?
1: <laughs> Which square are you? <laughs> exactly, it's bad.
0: Blame the American education bad. system. Right. All
1: right, Kelly. Yes. Don't you don't even have to ask me what I'm thankful for. We went I was over this. Say, just, just say it. Just repeat, I'm thankful that I got into grad
0: school. I'm so fucking proud of you. Thank you. I, you have no idea. I might be
1: blushing a little. I'll just go like this.
0: Ah, so cute. My cute little professional. <laughs> That's the goal. I have had kind of an insane week. Just like very overwhelmed, very emotional, like and there's no real reason for it. It's just kind of like me dealing How with my was. own baggage. Yeah, but uh, and then I was sick and just ah, oh no. But I am thankful. Uh, so maybe this is a thankful thing because you know, I'm okay. I'm just gonna get through this instead of apologizing before I say anything. Yep, just do it. So, uh, Governor Walz in Minnesota is going to loosen the stay-at-home order to allow certain businesses to reopen, um, more social interaction in groups of, like, 10 or fewer and all that stuff, and I don't know if it's the right thing, like, with, you know, the virus and this and that, but... I'm going to look on the bright side. I'm really hoping to see some people again while taking appropriate precautions. You know, are we going to get the band back together? I think we might. I I, like I think we're going to have to talk about it, but I would really like to see you and record because
1: I fucking miss you like immediately. We'll just just sit on up like instead of sitting the the short way on the table, we'll just sit the long way. We're going to be holding hands the whole time. We're just going to be like
0: hugging each other, like arching our necks to reach our microphones.
1: (laughs) I know I heard that and I was like, I'm going to ask Emily if she wants to come over next week and record.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, like, here's the thing. I know there's a lot of um, anxiety about, you know, what the future holds because no one really knows what's going to happen entirely. And obviously, Kelly and I are going to take Appropriate precautions, like we're not going to be a bunch of assholes who are like, no. I'm throwing a party with eighty people that I don't know, nah, nah, nah. Right.
1: but you know, and like I... I'll still wear masks in public, and absolutely, you know, we're not, not going to be jerks,
0: absolutely. But I did start to get really excited about the possibility of like seeing some people again, and maybe going on like walks together, and just starting to increase uh, my ability to see people and get out of the house more,
1: right? Like maybe have a bonfire. Yeah. You can socially distance at a bonfire. That's easy.
0: Oh, absolutely. Except when the smoke blows one way, and then so everyone has to sit on one side of the fire.
1: <laughs> nope. That's not it. I hope they open up camp- camping this year. We'll see. They haven't uh, said anything about it yet, but I hope they do.
0: I hope we can go tubing this year. Right. I guess what I'm thankful for is maybe the prospect of getting back some sense of normalcy and getting excited to do things again.
1: I agree. I'm I trying think. to be optimistic, and I mean, at some point it has to happen. And so, like our governor said that you know we have the capacity right now to have more people if it happens in the hospital. So we're gonna try this and see what happens.
0: Exactly. And I, and it has to happen at some him. point, right? And I've been pretty confident in him up till this point, so I'm not like, oh, this is a huge mistake. But I mean, there is right. obviously some anxiety. And but I mean, even I'm experts trying to stay are positive. kind of saying,
1: you know, even experts are kind of saying like. We 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 need to do something. Like we can't all just sit in our houses for the rest of our lives.
0: Right. So,
1: you know, we just can't and I'm not bashing on Wisconsin because it's Wisconsin. I mean, I kind of am, but I'm not. <laughs> you know, it it did hurt a little to see that they tried to do the same thing and their Supreme Court said no and then literally that night there were like people packing the bars and it wasn't good.
0: Yeah. Like we can't
1: do we can't do that, guys. Like increments increments but yeah I'm just I'm hoping that
0: uh things are taking a turn for the positive so
1: yeah I think they are you know and it's like I think he said like we're we're turning the dials a little at a time and seeing what happens yeah you know and he's like if we need to we'll turn the dials back I (laughs) I'm hopeful that that won't happen you know I think As a country, I think we're we're doing better as a whole, and I think this is going to be a good forward momentum. I so hopefully we're going to come out on the other side, not have a big resurgence like other pandemics. You know, I think we're smarter than that now, and we're more aware. Fingers crossed, and we're going to get through this, guys. We're coming out the other end. Woo! Peace and love, love and support. (laughs) And happiness and love. All the love. Positive buzzwords. Love, peace, joy. Bless this mess. Live,
0: laugh, love. Eat, pray, love. (laughs) Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whiny About Herstory. Please like us on Facebook at Whining About Herstory. Instagram at WAHpod. Twitter
1: at WAH underscore pod. Our face, Our Facebook. We already Talked about Facebook. Our website is whiningabouthistory dot com, and our email address is whiningabouthistory at gmail dot com. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's a say their name or a woman you want us to research, or just just a hi or you know, you know, anything, really anything. Did your, and
0: did your best friend get into grad school?
1: We'll talk about
0: it. We love
1: that. Really we will. <laughs> And please rate us five stars wherever you listen. It really helps us out. It helps other people find us. And it lets us know that you like what we're doing. You know, we give also, us those warm, fuzzy feelings. We
0: also have a Patreon. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash Whiny about herstory. Or is it whining about pod? If one doesn't work, try I the other. I think it's whining about History. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you can, you'll can. you find us. You guys know how to use the internet. But seriously, right? anything helps. You can donate for as little as $1 a month. Keep us keep us flowing
1: in that wine. Keep the wine flowing. Keep our glasses <laughs> half full, or maybe maybe just slightly over half.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know. we can ride high. Yeah. Well, thank you so much again for listening to another episode of Winey About Hearsay. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have an empowered
1: day. Bye bye. <laughs>